Hey y'all, welcome back. We're going to continue in our journey through 2 Samuel with chapter 6. And David had just conquered the Philistines when we left off. And now we're going to start off in verse 1 of chapter 6. Then David again gathered all the elite troops in Israel, 30,000 in all. He led them to Bala of Judah to bring back the ark of God, which bears the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, who is enthroned between the cherubim. So the ark was where God's presence would would come between the cherubim so that he could be with his people and reside with his people. And inside of the ark, we had a pot of manna, the rod of Aaron that bloomed almonds, and the Ten Commandments. That's what's in the ark so far. And we'll continue on in verse 3. They placed the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from Abinab's house, which was on a hill. Yuza and Ahio, Abinab's sons, were guiding the cart that carried the ark of God. Ahio walked in front of the ark. David and all the people of Israel were celebrating before the Lord, singing songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments, lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets, and cymbals. So here we have, this is a good intention. Like, like David thinks he's doing the right thing here, but he's not doing it how God said to do it. No one is supposed to put the ark on a cart. It, they, that's not how they were told to carry the ark. In Exodus 25, 13, and 14, it, it explains the rods that were put through the hoops that would rest on the shoulders of the Levites that were to carry the ark. And that's how the ark was to be carried or transported any and all times. And we know that disobedience leads to death. Disobedience is sin and it leads to traps that cause destruction in our lives. And the, 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 the presence of God was, this was symbolic for the presence of God and in God's presence should be resting on us today because we have God in us through Jesus and the sacrifice that he made on the cross. And when we accept him as our Lord and Savior, we receive his spirit, which dwells in us for all of our days. So we have the strength and power of him residing in us to resist temptation and resist sin and make good choices and follow and submit God to God and his lead in our lives. And that that presence of God should always be resting on our shoulders, just like the presence of God rested on the shoulders of the Levites when they carried the ark. And that is what also elevates us forward through life and directs us into God's path and plans in our lives. And they're not doing this how, how God directed. And the ark was was a representative representation of God's presence. This is where God would meet them and, and speak to the priestly leaders. And, and the ark was moving to Jerusalem and they didn't ask God or check the rules of what God says. And it's a bit arrogant and, and forward in that he was just going to go ahead and move it and put it on cart. But he thinks he's doing a really good thing here, y'all. He he wants to bring the ark home. And it is good intention, but he's not doing it the right way. And it still ultimately leads to disobedience when we do things without seeking God and resting in God and sitting with God and making sure we're doing it how God says to do it. We want to do things for God, but we want to do them how God says and in his timing, in his perfect order. We need to be obedient to God in all things, not just in some of the things that we might choose 
and David does have a heart after the presence of God. He is, he is really seeking God and really wanting to do the right thing, but he didn't do it quite the right way in this instance. So we'll see what happens next here in verse six. But when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nacon, the oxen stumbled and Yuza reached out his hand to steady the ark of God. Then the Lord's anger was aroused against Yuza and God struck him dead because of this. So Yuza died right there beside the ark of God. So this was irreverence. He wasn't being reverent to God in the fact that this was holy. And he reaches out to catch it, which is a good act. It's good. But they were doing this wrong from the get-go. So it's going to lead to more and more wrong. In verse 8, David was angry because the Lord's anger had burst out against Uzzah. He named that place Perez Uzzah, which means to burst out against Uzzah, as it is called today. David was now afraid of the Lord, and he asked, How can I ever bring the ark of the Lord back into my care? So David decided not to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom of Gath. The ark of the Lord remained there in Obed-Edom's house for three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his entire household. Then King David was told, The Lord has blessed Obed-Edom's household and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went there and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with a great celebration. After the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, David sacrificed a bull and fattened calf. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and blowing of ram's horns. So he he stops and he resets. He's like, hold on, we need to recheck. And this is the dangerous side of God's presence. God is holy. God is righteous. And God blesses. But God is not something to be fooled with or chided with. God is not to be used or mocked. And disobedience will not be tolerated by God. It can't be because disobedience can't be where there is holiness. God cannot allow disobedience or disrespect because he's God. He's holy. He's he's glorious. He is almighty and amazing. And we should be in awe of God every moment of our lives because he is God. So our best next step is going to always be obedience, no matter what we're facing. And he, David, he, he's like, he resets. He's like, okay, we have to carry the ark. So here we see the men are carrying the ark, but he takes it a step further and he, he honors God and shows that respect to God in honoring God. It always changes things in your life. And he had paused to reset and, and seek that reverence of God and um, God changes things. And he, he, he's like, let's, let's try again. Let's do this again. Let's get this ark home the right way. But in the, in the ark, the presence of God in the ark, it, it ended up blessing Obed-Edom's house because God's presence changes our lives. God's presence brings glory and blessing and, and amazing, amazingly wonderful things. And we need to remember who God is. A lot of times I feel like we don't really, really grasp who God is. And we probably won't fully grasp who God is until we we get to see him face to face in heaven because we are human and we can't, just like he says, we can't comprehend his love. It's incomprehensible to us. I feel like the glory and awe of God and the amazingness of who he is is also 
in that respect, incomprehensible to us. And I, I mean, I look forward to it, but, um, in the, in the respect of this chapter, he brings the ark home and he does so with an extra step. He stops, they take six steps and then they stop and they dance and they have a sacrifice and they take six steps and they stop and they dance and they have a sacrifice. And all the while they're praising God and they get, he didn't care what people thought. He would stop and praise God in communicating worship to God. He, he was like getting lost in worship to God and he just let it all go. And he just focused on God and God alone. And oh, that moment had to be so amazing and wonderful to be a part of. And we'll continue in verse 16. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the special tent that David had prepared for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. When he had finished his sacrifices, David blessed the people in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. So a couple of things, um, when they did the burnt offerings, they burnt the entire offering other than the skin. They saved the skin and Jesus gave his entire self so that we could be clothed in his skin. He gave his whole self so that we could live a life in Jesus and who he is. And David did this and he was, Michal sees it and she gets really upset, but he was unabandoned. He was he was unashamed and he was fully in presence of God and fully in worshiping God. And he would do these, the burnt offering. And once he brought the ark in, he, he did a burnt offering and Jesus gave us his skin to walk in and he offered his whole self. And then he would give a peace offering and the, all the portions of the peace offering are given out and shared among the people. It's, it's a peace towards the people. And he recognizes God's peace towards the people also. And we need to remember that we get all of Jesus and we get to share Jesus with everyone around us. And we can offer and recognize that peace that God wants us to have. And we can share it with everyone around us. And then in verse 19, then he gave to every Israelite man and woman in the crowd a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. Then all the people returned to their homes. When David returned home to bless his own family, Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said in disgust, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. David retorted to Michal, I was dancing before the Lord, who chose me above your father and all his family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel to the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. Yes, I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think I am distinguished. So Michal, the daughter of Saul, remained childless throughout her entire life. A couple takes on this. Um, so he was king and she's calling him out on the fact that he didn't look or appear like a king when he was full-blown worshiping God and getting lost in worship. What we are labeled as should never keep us from walking full in God and in fullness and full worship. We need to let loose and let God just pour through us in our lives without 
worry about what any man will think because we need to really, really fear God more than any person around us. And um, she gets sarcastic with him. She's like, oh, look what you did. And um, look at how much honor you brought to yourself by exposing yourself. And and it, she kind of calls him out and tries to bring this, this shame onto him, but he's not going to accept it. He's like, no, he stops it right then and there. He honored the presence of God above all else that was around him, no matter what. And on the flip side, McCall, we don't know how she feels. We're not told her feelings in this. So I want to be very clear about that. This is just something I'm pondering as I meditate on this scripture. Like she, she loves David and she was David's first wife. She is the daughter of Saul. And David kind of calls her out here like, well, you know what, dude, God called me over your dad and your family. So he's kind of like, I was appointed over your father. And he really just kind of knocks, knocks her back down. He gets raw and he gets real. And he's saying, you know what, no matter what, I'm going to worship like crazy, which is good. That's how we should always be. No matter what, we are going to worship like crazy. We don't care what anyone around us thinks. And that should be our hearts all the time. But thinking of McCall here, so she was taken from David and she was given to another man in, in marriage. And she, Palti married her. We don't know. It doesn't tell us in, that was in chapter three. It doesn't tell us what she, how she felt about Palti. But we know that Palti chased after her crying and weeping and mourning because he loved her. So he had to treat her pretty decent if he loved her that much. I mean, it would just make sense. So she's in this relationship. Well, then David tears her from that family relationship and brings her back as his seventh woman. <laughs> and David has a problem with women. He likes women and he has too many. According to Deuteronomy 17, they are not supposed to do this. This is one of David's character flaws. And God is very honest about showing people's weaknesses and character flaws. And he doesn't try to hide it or disguise it. So I can't imagine how she felt like she sees David with these other women. And she was in David's life, then out of David's life. And now she's back into David's life. And he's a king now. And I just, I don't know. I feel like like she was, I kind of feel like I can understand her feelings given the background of her situation. Um, and why she might have gotten a bit disgusted by this. But that's just a little sidebar. Ultimately, the point of this is we need to be raw and real with God. We need to let him pour his love through our lives. And we need to choose obedience first and foremost, entire obedience, not partial obedience over and above all things, because God is God. He is holy. He is majestic. He is almighty. He is everything. And he is all authoritative. He can do what he wants. He is God. So, we need to just recognize that in every single thing that we do and say throughout our days, in moments, in life, because he sees all. Nothing is hidden from God. And we can get raw and real with God and we can worship, we can worship unashamed and we can worship wholeheartedly in the presence of God and just enjoy God. He wants us to enjoy him. 
So that takes us through chapter six. We'll continue tomorrow. Thanks, y'all. Have a great day.